Previously on Searching for Ghosts. I have a clock on the dot. Um, my cell phone rang. It was Johnny. And I was like, she said, is he there? And I said, no, he's not there. Or he's not here. I said, but let's give him a few minutes. Maybe there's traffic. Maybe there's a wreck. You know, maybe he's just running a little bit late. You know, I said, let's just, let's just give him 15 minutes and see what happens. He walked out the door. Not only did I hear this, but everybody that was in that house heard this. When he walked out the door, he said, I'll be calling you and telling you where to come and get the van. So you go on home and quit that talk. He told uh, Sergeant Staples yeah. that um, he said he's changed his story at least five times since we've been here. Telling me that he was in Forest City, he just got up between Forest City. It, he wasn't there. He was. He was. He was already in Tennessee. He was already on the other side of Grayson. We were watching the clock, just like every minute, just seemed to last forever. And um, I think it was like 5:43. I called and he answered. Realized then that it wasn't Bethany he was after. He was wanting Tommy. Last episode, we learned that Jenny Markowski made a phone call to Larry's cell phone on Sunday, the day Bethany went missing. Jenny says she can't remember the time of this call, but she stated that Bethany had told her that they had left Gleason and were heading to the mall in Jackson, Tennessee. Sunday, when I called his phone, I don't remember what time, but I know I talked to Bethany, and uh, she told me they had just left the house in Gleason. According to Johnny, law enforcement looked into this call, and once again, the timing of it as well as the cell tower that it pinged off of, raised more questions than answers. When Jenny did call, the cell tower that his cell phone pinged off of was... This was at May, around, May. around 12, 12.15, was um, further east than he should have been. To, to be... To be in, he should have been closer to Jackson instead of closer to Nashville. You know, he should have... Coming from Gleason, he shouldn't have been where his phone was pinging. That's never been made public. That was from the TBI. And the TBI told me that. I'm Brandon Barnett, and this is Searching for Ghosts. Season 2, Where is Bethany Markowski? Johnny gets more specific about the time of the Jenny phone call. It was 12.12 p.m. to be exact. As you heard in the last episode, 
Jenny was unsure of the time, but was always curious. Law enforcement didn't want Johnny to tell Jenny the time of her phone call, but Johnny finally relented. That cell tower ping, and they the, every time I started talking to Jenny, they would say, don't tell her what time she called her dad, because she kept keeps asking them, well, what time was it that I talked to my dad? And they're like, don't tell her. I was like, okay. So finally, a couple of years ago, she said, I just, I said, it was 12-12, Jenny. You talked to him at 12-12. And 32 seconds. And like the alleged land between the lakes ping from the Forest City call, the Jenny call pinged off a tower in another forestry area, Natchez Trace State Park. Natchez Trace State Park is 46 miles southeast of Larry's home in Gleason and is 37 miles east of the Old Hickory Mall in Jackson. This can get confusing without a visual aid, so to help put this in context, Natchez Trace State Park is actually closer to the Waverly exit where Larry was to drop off Bethany than it is to the mall in Jackson. Now you can take Highway 22 from Gleason until you hit Interstate 40 and then go east to Natchez Trace. It's actually an enjoyable drive. I've done it before when I ran a delivery route, but it's definitely not the most efficient way to go if your destination is Jackson, Tennessee. It adds about 30 minutes to the trip and requires some backtracking. And it is definitely out of the way if one were planning a stop in Milan, Tennessee. I was talking to law enforcement and they were telling me about the day that uh, Bethany disappeared, um, Larry's activities of that day. Supposedly he um, was in Gleason and after I talked to Bethany that morning, apparently they stopped in uh, Gleason and talked to one of Bethany's friends, Christina, that she was supposed to have gone skating with that Friday. And then um, Larry said that he had taken Bethany to get something to eat at McDonald's and then they had stopped in Milan for a little while, I guess, maybe for about an hour or so. And um, apparently they sat in front of my ex-employer's house for a while with uh, Larry telling uh, Bethany that this is your mom's boyfriend's house. And then supposedly they went from there to, um, to Jackson that day. Milan is about 31 miles southwest of Gleason, where Larry lived. And as I stated earlier, Natchez Trace is 46 miles southeast of Gleason, the opposite direction. It's not as if Milan was on the way to the park. So it appears that Larry Markowski admitted to law enforcement that he and Bethany had sat outside this man's house in Milan for close to an hour. And this coincides with a phone conversation that Johnny had with Bethany that Sunday morning. The day that Bethany um, disappeared, I got a phone call from her. I think it was like 9.38 in the morning, and the caller ID popped up that it was coming from our house in Gleason, Tennessee. Law enforcement and TBI have the phone records to confirm that the call did take place. Uh, Bethany was upset, and it sounded like that she was on speakerphone, and I could hear Larry in the background hollering and screaming, tell her, tell her. And Bethany said, Mama, um, Daddy knows you have a, a boyfriend. And I was like, what? I, I don't know what you're talking about. And she said, Daddy knows you have a boyfriend because I talked to him on the phone. 
And I just, I asked her, I said, why why are you lying? And I said, never mind. I could hear, you know, Larry Markowski hollering in the background. And Bethany's little voice was shaking, and I could tell she was upset. And I said, that's okay, that's okay. Not only does this phone call confirm, along with Christina's account, that Bethany did indeed make it back to Gleason that Sunday, it also indicates that Larry seemed to be fixated on Johnny's former employer, which he believed to be Johnny's boyfriend. Johnny's sister Lori says that the 1212 Natchez Trace ping was even brought to the district attorney. And we know it exists because you did go to the DA. And what? How many mm-hmm. years? Nine, ten? What year was it? <sighs> I think it was the tenth year. We went to the DA. We know it exists. You guys discussed it. Mm-hmm in front of the DA. You all discussed it. TBI. I've learned with Casey McDaniel's case that law enforcement is tight-lipped when it comes to evidence in an open case, but I had to give it the old college try. Here's retired TBI agent Jack Van Hooser again, who you heard in episode two, Little Memphis. Can you speak to us cell phone pings? No. (laughs) But Mike Holt, retired from the Jackson Police Department, gave me a little more when asked the same question. You t- can you speak to any uh, cell phone pings? Um, I would say this again, and this this was a thing that kind of hamstrung us at the time. Is even the technology that had to do with that? Um, and I'm talking about being able to pinpoint uh, with any specificity where a cell phone was in relation to cell towers. Right. was much more limited uh, back then. Uh, and, of course, it was more, it was limited as, as much by how many towers as there were by, how, you know, distance. And, you know, they could tell us a lot of times, they could tell us range, um, and they could tell us what tower. Right. But, they could, but if there was not more than one tower, they couldn't give us a more specific location. So that made it more difficult yeah. to, to track that. Now, we know that day that they were uh, going back to meet Johnny at uh, exit 143. Yeah. Waverly, maybe. Yeah. I forget where they where it was they, they met at. Um, and we know that there was a period of time that the, the father's phone was east of Jackson. Be more specific is pretty hard to do. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I question. Well, if you were already east of Jackson, going toward one forty three, why did you come back the yeah. mall? And he said, that's because she wanted to. Because at this point I don't know the range of the cell tower at Natchez Trace in 2001, we would just use the Natchez Trace Interstate 40 exit as a point of reference. According to Johnny, there was only one cell tower there in 2001. Back then there was only one, now there's three. And, uh, yeah, he, he did a lot of Natchez Trace State Park covers over 40,000 acres, so it would make sense that the tower was near the interstate.
So the Jenny call happened at 12.12 p.m. around the Natchez Trace exit on Interstate 40, which is exit 116. So we have the 12.12 ping. Then at 2.30 p.m., we have a witness who saw Larry getting gas at the Parker's Crossroads exit, just eight miles from the Natchez Trace exit. It is eight miles closer to Jackson, but if you remember from episode two, Little Memphis, 2.30 p.m. was the time given in the March 6th edition of the Jackson Sun that Bethany went into the mall. So according to this same Jackson Sun article, here's a timeline for the mall. Quote, Bethany Lee Ann Markowski of Nashville was last seen at 2.30 p.m. Sunday by her father, Larry Markowski of Gleason, in the mall parking lot as she headed inside to look around, according to the Jackson Police Department. At 2.30, he's putting gas in his van at Parker's Crossroads. And she would it take him from Parker's Crossroad to get to the mall, Jackson Mall? Okay. Okay, so I'm doing this in reverse. I'm going from the mall to the Parker's Crossroads exit. They're doing some uh, construction, which has got traffic backed up a little. So there may be a variance in the time, but just want a general idea from the Parker's Crossroads exit at 2.30, how long it would take to get to the, the mall in Jackson. So you would take I-40 from Parker's Crossroads and get off at the Highland exit, to me would be the closest. Okay, so that took roughly 26 minutes, and I started a couple of um, traffic lights north of the mall, so you could add another five to eight minutes, maybe, if you got caught at that light, those lights. So, that's roughly another 30, 30 minute trip. I took it upon myself to do this time trial back in November without knowing that Johnny had documentation of the same experiment done some years prior. Her documented time trial clocked in at 25 minutes. According to Johnny, the Parker's Crossroads witness told law enforcement that Larry told him that he had just returned from dropping Bethany off at her mother's in Nashville. This witness made no mention of seeing Bethany. So I know what you're thinking. The 1212 ping and the Parker's Crossroads witness should be the proverbial smoking gun, right? Because that was going to be their smoking gun was going to be the cell tower ping. And when Jenny talked to him on the phone, I mean, they got so many supposedly smoking guns that are just rusted up right now. Just rusted, rusted to hell. At 1212, she was in the van with him talking to his daughter. By 2.30... She was not in that van anymore when he stopped to get gas. Or if she was, she was laying down in the back and the guy didn't see her. This guy that said I, he saw him at 2.30, called him back and said, how could somebody pull, I just dropped my daughter off in Nashville at her mom's house, their butt. Yeah. When they hadn't seen him in months because we hadn't been driving an 18-wheeler. Okay, where does... Uh... Remember this from episode two, Little Memphis, when Lori was trying to call Larry? I hung up from talking to her. I started calling his cell phone, and uh, it was going straight to voicemail every time. I called his cell phone 
just constantly back, just kept calling and calling, calling and calling. And actually, in between, I called Johnny at one point too to let her know I'm trying to call his cell phone. He's not answering. Or, well, not that he wasn't answering, it was going straight to voicemail like it was off. And um, so at 545, um, or 5.43, I don't know, I was watching, we were watching the clock, just like every minute it just seemed to last forever. And um, I think it was like 5.43, I called and he answered. Well, it appears that Larry's phone had been turned off since the 12-12 call. Um, it wasn't pinging off of any cell towers after that up in, until he turned it back on in Jackson around 6.05 or something. No, 5.40. 5.40. 5.45. I don't know who called who, but when Jenny was on the phone with, with uh, Bethany. And that, I think that was a real short phone call. But then they said that he evidently turned it, after that phone call, his phone didn't ping anywhere until it came back on at 545. If you have any information about Bethany Markowski, no matter how small you think it is, call 1-800-THE-LOST. Hey guys, Brandon here. Want to support Searching for Ghosts and look cool doing it? Well, now you can, and just in time for Christmas. The SFG store is up and running. We have three designs to choose from, including the Galaxy shirt for the nerd in all of us. We have multiple colors to choose from, t-shirts for men and women, and hoodies. I'll have the link in the show notes of this episode. You can also find the store at the top of the Searching for Ghosts Facebook page. Your support will help us keep SFG going. Thanks, guys. On the next episode of Searching for Ghosts. The whole town of Jackson was very supportive. They put us up in the hotel. Kinko's made all the flyers for free. And, I mean, everybody was real, I mean, because they'd already heard about it and everything. There's a lot of things that could have been done differently, but. Because I feel like I was so honest with the law enforcement, I feel like they were as honest as they could be with me. This, this is a case that, um, you know, I, I, I carry with me. She, Bethany and my daughter about the same age and you know I think they did the best they could I think they thought it was a good idea to keep me out of the media and all this stuff but one of the things that they didn't do is immediately contact the TBI so I think it was like nine days into Bethany missing uh, they had called the TBI and said hey could you run uh, some cell phone records for me I'm thinking it was nine days after her disappearance is when TBI first got involved in the case. Okay.